Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. All right, John, here we go. We are now heading into week five. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so this is your week right now for you've seen enough sample size. So we're both at the point where we can start to trust what we see It'll Somewhat. be interesting to see. There's still what we some see. things I really want to see how it pans out. And there's some interesting questions. We won't talk about some of them. Some of them being Jordan Howard, who I've always been a fanboy of, making things That's happen true. in Chicago when nothing should have been happening in Chicago. And then Matt Nagy and his amazing offensive mind comes in <laughs> and uh, gets that Bears offense just cooking. I don't know what everybody else saw, but I haven't seen it yet underneath him. But kind of looks that Broncos. Bears game was pretty much a mirror of two offenses that aren't very effective, but that both have talent on both sides at, at some point or another. Yeah. It's just nothing seems to make sense with the scheme of what they're running. Yeah. Like Chicago has three excellent running back options, we'll mm-hmm. say. Like they all do their things that make them useful, mm-hmm. and then you don't really utilize any of them to be an actual focal point within the offense. You right. decide to throw to your below average receivers with your below average quarterback. Right. Okay. Then the same with Flacco and that offense. I'm like, I thought you decided that you were going to go running the ball when you said split between two good running backs. But now we're just going to go 10 a game, both dudes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So there's still some questions out there, like that one being Jordan Howard. Miles Sanders looks fine himself, but I thought Jordan Howard, you put him behind a line like that and a coach that actually knows how to run the football, um, he's going to have success, which he did. They both did. Um, so it's going to be interesting how it plays out. you got Tevin Coleman coming back. Um my gut saying that's 100% going to be his backfield. Not 100% his backfield, but 100% that he's the leader of that backfield. But we'll have to see how that plays out, too. Yeah. Um, Wilson's probably the odd man out for sure in that yeah, situation. He, and, and I would say even Mostert's not going to have his fumbling problems. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, too. So there's still some questions, but for the most part, like you said, John, you should be getting them answered. And if you're still wondering week to week what to do, well, you've tuned into the right place of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers, especially this week. We've went back to our old, old format. So Keepers being people that we believe either they struggled last week or they had a good week, and we're saying buy into them, start them. Sleepers being people, okay, you've got somebody on buy or somebody's not paying it out for you. We think this is a pretty good play that you can get for about 70% owner rate or, or less. Mm-hmm. And then Creepers being people like, you know, go ahead and cut bait or at least don't start them this week. And that's kind of the format of that in our first segment that we break down for you guys. And we reverted back to not so much season-long stock value, but more of a focus on the week-to-week, who to play this week, who not to play this week. Um, you want to start with the least exciting, John, with the quarterbacks? Because it's... Sure. Yeah. Might as well stop from the, or start from the top down here. Okay. Uh, my keeper this week in quarterbacks is going to be Tom Brady. Um, last week was insanely rough. Like... I understand Buffalo's defense is good, and their pass defense is probably even stronger than their run defense from what I expected coming into the season. But whew, whenever you're looking at a less than 10-point game, under 200 yards passing and interception, mm-hmm. no touchdowns, yikes. But I just want to say don't panic too hard on them. I mean, Brady's been a very consistent quarterback throughout the seasons. And this one was in Buffalo. And that, yeah, that's true. And now they're up against Washington, which is a much softer matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, their fourth-best matchup in the league all three quarterbacks, Wentz, Prescott, and Trubisky, had three touchdowns against him in weeks one, two, and three, which you love to see. Daniel Jones did get stifled a little bit more there, but he had 225 yards passing with one touchdown in that game. Right. I think considering the way that New England is going to be a successful team and they adjust very well to game plans, I think Brady is going to have to throw a little more because their run game's not been getting it done at mm-hmm. 3.2 yards per carry. I think we're going to see him throw against the soft Washington pass defense, and we're going to see him have a nice bounce back week. Oh, yeah, I can't disagree with that. How, you know, in his relatively short career, he showed up time and time again that he's a keeper. Um, <laughs> he has tended to trend toward a yeah. keeper in most times, at least as a consistent contributor. Yep. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who not many people should be panicking on, but as much as flack as I would tend to give him last uh, season of our podcast was Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, some of it was for comic relief, some of it maybe deserved, but he ended up yeah. doing pretty well last season. 
uh, like people predicted. And now this season, you don't hear them anymore because of the young, flashier guys, Mahomes and now Lamar Jackson. But uh, give me Deshaun Watson over uh, Lamar for the rest of the season easily. And especially this week against Atlanta. Um, Not the most exciting last three weeks. And crazily enough, it's his home games that have been, you know, plaguing him a little bit. But he's got Atlanta giving 10th most up to the uh, quarterbacks. And I just think he comes out this week, comes out in a big way. And uh, Nuck is also woken up and gives you a good game at wide receiver too. So enjoy that. Enjoy Deshaun Watson and that combination Outside of that, I don't know how Houston's been putting up points since DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been doing much. And Isn't it nuts? And Fuller's been kind of off the board. But yeah. And Hyde's not doing anything. Really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's really strange. But I, I think I expected Hyde to do much. But. He's been a little better than I thought because apparently everyone left, put him out to pasture. Like, two yards of carry, he's done. He can't do anything. He's pretty much still around there. But he's just with some moving touchdowns. it forward a little bit. I think two games go 10 touches for 19 yards and two, a touchdown. And that's how he's made. I think been that, relative. Yeah, but I think the other three games he's had over at least seventy yards. His carry rates. One game was really efficient. One game was very inefficient from a carry standpoint. And then the third one was just meh. We'll have to check him. I think you may have a brighter outlook on that. Yeah, I mean he's his above seventy is, yards. I don't think so. His ceiling is low. Yeah. <laughs> so let me be very clear. But it is weird. But I think the game flow is definitely in their favor for Houston in this. I mean, Matt Ryan's been throwing for 300 yards in just about every game on the season, turning the ball over a lot. I think Mm -hmm. there's plenty of opportunity offensively for this to turn into a shootout both ways. Mm -hmm. And the only way that happens is with Watson having a big game. Right on. So we start a keeper. We'll just go in order this time. Give me your sleeper. Uh, I'm going to go with Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a little pleased with the, him as a backup quarterback taking over for Luck um, as a conceptual standpoint thing, but he's moved himself almost into the fantasy radar by being pretty consistent in most of these games. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of 10 touchdowns to two interceptions so far on this young season. Uh, 911 yards is not airing it out a lot, especially when you're looking at league leaders around 1,500. Uh, that separation this early on in the season shows he's not airing it out downfield. They're still a run first team, but... I think considering that it's Kansas City this week, uh, you got to be feeling pretty good about playing Brissett in a streaming option. Mm-hmm. The only quarterback that's been slowed down by Kansas City's defense this year has been Derek Carr. And uh, I think Brissett's a little bit better than that this season based on the supporting weapons he has in his offense. Uh, Kansas City's the eighth best matchup so far on the season. Mm-hmm. So I think he's a, a low-end, top 10 QB. So I think you can kind of get him in there for the QB1 this week. I think he has a pretty high floor. Yeah, I like him. I wish it was in Indianapolis instead of in Kansas City. Um, but they're giving up eight most points on on the season to quarterbacks. And um, he's looking like he picked up where he left off, you know. is every other season Andrew Luck's in town. So, uh, <laughs> I guess that's true. Weird. When he turns drinking age and returns back to the NFL, uh, who knows, maybe Brissett sits the bench again. But... Either way, I think he's a solid play this week. There's just tons of sleepers this week when you look at the quarterback format. Um, yeah, I mean, Winston's another one I had my eye on. Yeah, Winston. Oof, he could be glorious, and he's available in some leagues. So yeah. Not as many as Brissett, but yeah. very playable against New Orleans. Yeah. You know, I mean, I trust, I trust Brissett a lot more than I trust Winston, which is kind of crazy, but... I would say much lower ceiling, but a much higher floor. Right. Winston could go out and have four picks, no touchdowns, 200 yards passing, and I'd be like, Should have saw yeah, that one coming. That sounds like him. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. But he has had two big games back to back, so you never know. Maybe he keeps it rolling one more. So we share an eight player pair, uh, player pool to start. We don't talk about where we're going to designate those players, but I'm noticing one quarterback that's left for both of us. <laughs> it's true. And, uh, I guess you got on the count of three, one, two, three, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he has looked so pedestrian. Yes. And he literally won our culture over with his persona last year. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. He had some good drives that looked good. Yes. But he was still on a six and seven team. He was on a six and seven team. And you look at his numbers from last season. They were encouraging for a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. stepping in. They were not staggering. I don't know of anything, my opinion and our opinion of Trubisky's never been high. No. I don't know if anything that can make me say I like him better than Trubisky. Even before the season started, because they're like the same version of each other, only Trubisky runs better. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I was looking today. Baker Mayfield has less rush attempts this season than Tom Brady does. So you're getting nothing out of him on the screen. But front. he compares himself to Brett Favre, though. So that gives him plus five imaginary run power. I, I, think, I think in literally every game he's played, they do the draft comparison of where yeah. he posed with Brett Favre yeah. in every primetime game that he's been a part of. It, it is agonizing to watch one more time with this same comparison. And he's on all the commercials. Whatever he's done, he needs to just keep going with it because it's m- masking his pretty much inefficiency. It, it's amazing. Except last week against Baltimore, I still don't quite understand what happened to Baltimore. <laughs> Although Baltimore on a whole is a different team than usual because their offensive, well, the trenches for them, they're actually giving up 4.9 on the ground to opposing running backs. Very out of character. Of course, Chubb blew that up a little bit higher last week. but Sure. But, I mean, they lost Mosley, Suggs, uh, their outside linebackers in the offseason. They lost Weddle, who is a pretty good two-way safety. So, I mean, there's a lot of change there. So, I'm not necessarily surprised there was some regression defensively there. Right. But it is very out of character. But. I mean, Mayfield's got a tough matchup this week as well from San Francisco. I mean, they're ninth toughest in the league. Um, they've surrendered ex- as many interceptions as they have touchdowns in the year, which mm-hmm. is scary to see from any owner coming in, especially when your quarterback has also thrown more, more interceptions than touchdowns in the year. Mayfield has six, and, six INTs, four touchdowns. He's also had no more than one touchdown in any game this year so far. There is not a lot of appeal at this point for the way that that offense is functioning. They are really looking a lot like a run-first team like I imagined in the offseason they would. Yeah. I just looked at Freddie Kitchens, running back coach, taking over for the team, was their offense coordinator last year. They're going to run the ball through or run this offense through Chubb. And I think that's definitely the right move. Mm-hmm. But ba- Baker Mayfield's not taking care of the ball enough for that to be an effective strategy. And so I'm worried about him heavily, especially this week. But I looked at his schedule also coming up. I don't think I'd like to play him with the way he's playing now until week 12 against Miami. That might be the next time I think he is actually going to be a top five quarterback. Yeah, maybe. So Did I, you see that video of OBJ getting slammed down and choked out by the cornerback <laughs> no, in the Baltimore I, game? I missed that. Well, you and our listeners should go vi- check that out. It's hilarious. There's a referee <laughs> right in front of it, and it's just like... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. He didn't even call a flag. Clean. And, and it's literally, he's getting choked out on the on the field. So check that out. That's a video that's totally worth watching. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's go to wide receivers then. You ready? I am ready. Let's go. We started keepers. And, and by the way, we're not doing tight ends. We just we just decided we're looking at everything we did last year in our podcast, what we liked, what we didn't like. We do like doing the week to week, but we don't like talking about three different tight ends because... It's tough. I mean, to, to me, there's about five relevant tight ends right. max it, with the landscape of the NFL as it is that are automatic weekly plays. I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm, in almost all my leagues, I've never, I never carry a backup tight end. No, that, that's but I don't carry a backup t- quarterback either. And believe it or not, I don't carry a backup kicker as well. I agree with you on all fronts in most <laughs> scenarios. Occasionally, I'll have a good streaming option for the week before or a really good option I'm looking to dump and trade for somebody else. But yeah. for the most part... I don't think you need a lot of depth at tight end, and I think most people run their teams that way. And it's primarily, we value your time, and we also value our time, and we just don't want to make up nonsense about tight ends when... Right. I- ideally, I'd like to talk about general landscape of major changes to tight ends and maybe Which add is a sleeper. We actually incorporated, we're not doing a whole segment, although we might as well have now after we just got done talking about it this long, <laughs> but uh, we've included a new seg- segment with alliteration, tight end takeaway. Yeah. Which we'll be talking about one tight end apiece. So that'll come up later. Wet your whistle a bit. Yeah, just in case you're wondering about some things. But let's go wide, wide receiver. Um, where do we want to start? Let's start with Creeper. All I'm right. Creeper this time. Well, this was a name that we shared, so I'll be interested to see where you have him, but it's Cortland Sutton for me. Okay, okay. I have him as a sleeper. You have him as a sleeper? Um, so tell me more, sir. I have a sleeper. I could see him as a sleeper in a dynasty round because I really do like this guy for dynasty because I think he's going to be a very talented wide receiver. But it comes down to the fact that we talked about on the offseason, too, is that Flacco very rarely, pretty much never, gives enough production to a wide receiver for them to be a true wide receiver one. If you're going to give him a sleeper for this next week, um, you know, just if you need him. But he's not really a sleeper in that sense anymore because his own injury rates are so high. Um, so I'm just kind of creeping on him. I'm going to dish him after he's just got those nice two touchdowns. I mean, he hasn't top 10 targets yet, 
Joe Flacco loves tight ends, and he's also loved yes. Emmanuel Sanders. And um, very surprising how Emmanuel Sanders has recovered from that devastating Achilles injury. So for all those reasons, Cortland Sutton on a dynasty play, love him. You know, I think he's going to have a pretty dang good career. He looks like a good wide receiver. Trusting him week to week and in a redraft league, there's no way I, I can do it just because of Joe Flacco and the supposed run-first mentality of the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. and really just an inefficient offense is what it is. I mean, that's what it boils down to. I agree. Um, Corton Sutton, Sutton's owned in 55% of leagues, so you can get him in a few. Um, but 309 yards in the season with two touchdowns, if you sold on him right now, I might be a buyer. But it's also hard to say because, like you said, the target share is pretty strong for him in this offense, all things considered, which surprises me because they should be a run-first team. Mm-hmm. So to me, that boils down to they're splitting carries exactly 50-50 in this offense, and I think they would like to be a, a run-first team. But And their defense is supposed to be better than it is too, so it really throws me off. But Emmanuel Sanders has been really the go-to receiver in this offense, and I, I agree with you that Flacco has struggled to support more than one wide receiver. So it's going to be very difficult to see him really, truly break out yeah. at very hard at this point. But I don't think he breaks out. He, you don't break out with Flacco's quarterback. His ceiling is limited not by his talent, but by the situation. It, it hurts. The ideal things is Joe Flacco has a big arm to push the ball down the field, but he's never been able to deliver the ball accurately down the field. And I don't know if Portland Sutton's really, I guess he is their deep th- deep threat by default, but I don't know if that's really how he functions. He's more of a, yeah. in my opinion, a Michael Thomas-esque receiver, that not seems, the home run-ish That person. seems likely. I agree. And so it's interesting. I think that'll limit him because, like you said, it should be a run-first offense. I think they're going to head that direction. But I don't know. Maybe but, if they bring back Jake the Snake Plumber by the end of the season, then I'll start believing Gordon the Sun. We'll see. Maybe Jake the Snake will save the day. He was fun to watch back in the day. Yeah, he really was. But here's the bright side, and here's why I have Sutton as a sleeper. The last three matchups, he's played Chicago, Green Bay, Jacksonville. That is a three-game brutal stretch in which he was able to actually put up numbers anyway. He's been able to stay above at least five targets in every game, and then he's having... A, a pretty good showing from a yardage standpoint, considering he is the second fiddle in this offense. And the Los Angeles Chargers this week is an easier matchup than he's had in the last three weeks. The last easy matchup he had against Oakland, he had 120 yards receiving. See, I think Jacksonville is actually deceiving on that front, and that was also his best game because, remember, Jalen Ramsey staying out, Boye wasn't on him as much, and he was getting, I think it was Herndon that he was just burning. So it it makes a difference with Ramsey on. Jacksonville's not the same defense. Very true. I'd still give them a plus defense, but yeah, they're not the stifling, awful defense they used to be. I don't know. I'm fairly encouraged. I think he'll have a good week this time, uh, and we'll see how it all shakes out. If they start running more, his value is going to dip, and I think that that is the likely situation, but I have him as more of a sleeper this week than a creeper. Well, then, based on our player pool, I can almost guess where you got this next player (laughs) slotted at creeper, then you know who it is for you. Who is it? Golden Tate. Uh... Is that who you were guessing? Yeah. Yep. I knew that's where you'd have to put him if it wasn't Sleeper. Yeah. He's intriguing. He's a guy that I definitely think needs to be owned in more than 50% of leagues because there is actual appeal here. But I see the Giants offense with no Barkley. It needs weapons, and that's the appeal there. Daniel Jones is making the offense play better, but he's risky this week considering I don't know exactly how much game shape he'll be in. I'm assuming great, but we'll see. And we don't know what his chemistry will be like between Well, I mean, Shepard he missed games for PEDs, so he should be above. <laughs> super strong. I mean, that's a fair point. I don't really have anything to argue about that. Maybe he's super jacked. <laughs> yeah. This is super Tate right now we get this week. But to me, I'm waiting and see on him. I think he's worth a claim, but I don't think I'd play him this week. See, I like him in deeper leagues. That's why I got him as a sleeper. In deeper leagues, go ahead and fire him up. Now, if you only got two wide receiver spots and it's more shallow league, then yeah, you don't want to play him right off the get-go. But do, do recall, he is the veteran here, and there's no way Golden Tate's playing on the outside. He will take over the slot, which will move Shepard to the outside for most of his routes now. And Shepard is completely ineffective as an outside wide receiver in his career. Now, maybe he changes all of a sudden when he moves from slot to outside, but it's not going to happen, I don't think. So, I'm especially with Shepard's last two weeks, I'm going to sell high on him. Just because you know that Golden Tate is getting his slot back and he didn't sign for the New York Giants to play out of a position he didn't ever play before. With that being said, too, I think Daniel Jones has really made Sterling Shepard look better than what he is. Just the way he likes to air it out and kind of be risky and throw picks. 
Um, I think it's going to bond, bond well with Golden Tate. Maybe not off the get-go, but for the rest of the season, Golden Tate outperforms Sterling Shepard as long as he stays healthy. Wow, bold statement. Do you don't think they'll compete for slot receiver snaps and they'll go 50-50 or something? Because I think Sterling Shepard's had like 70% of his routes ran out of the slot so far on this season with yeah. the breakout. And it's going to fall off. So you think he'll be the one pushed outside and they won't oh, split absolutely. with Tate? Yeah, Tate's not going to run outside. Little five foot five guy <laughs> that's known for route running. He's not going to burn anybody downfield at 30 something. You're probably right. Tate's interesting. Yeah, I think creeper this week, keeper season long. Cool. Well, well then, my keeper, who do you got? Do you want to go first? Do you want to go first? You can go first. It doesn't matter. If, after you, sir, after you. It may surprise you a little bit. Okay. Because I've never really been a fan of his persona. Oh. We just got done bashing his quarterback. No way. Yeah, so OBJ is my keeper this week. I'm firing him up against San Francisco. Why am I firing up against San Francisco? That is the question on everybody's mind. That's a question on everybody's mind. And it's because there is somebody's got to get some yardage on this team <laughs> for this week. And <laughs> You got the something's got to give. Something's got to give. I mean, besides last week with Jarvis Lander, before that it just like, if Baker Mayfield has time in the pocket, he freaks out and he's like, I got to throw it to OBJ because I got time. Um, <laughs> he's not going to have much time against San Francisco, I don't think. Yeah, I also don't good. think Chubb's going to be as effective this game. Um, and if Baker Mayfield's having a bad day, he's still all of it, like, I think 90% of the yards that he throws in this game <laughs> go to OBJ. I don't know if Landry's even going to clear con- concussion protocol. But also, what's interesting is if you look back in, so far in this season, San Francisco weak spot has been wide receiver ones. Um, Tyler Lockett put up a very nice game against San Francisco. Cooper Cup put up a very nice game against San Francisco. That doesn't tell us very much, but it's always been one wide receiver that has a big bust out game. And I'm trying to think about who San Francisco played in week one. Was that our your Bengals or our hometown Bengals? I believe so. It was, which Boyd put up a decent game, I do believe. I know Ross had a big game against him too. Yeah. So there's always this wide receiver that puts up a pretty good mark, and if Landry's out, it's going to, I think, OBJ bounces back against San Francisco. I do think it's a tough day for the Browns' offense, though. I think everything's funneled through that man. It was Tampa Bay week one for San Francisco. Whoops. No, it wasn't. Okay. And but Godwin, Godwin had, had a huge game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Interesting. So who's your keeper? My keeper this week is DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm bringing him up because, well, he's had like three real quiet games in a row. Sure. So we're pretty much on the same page if you're saying Watson. Mm -hmm. I think this is the guy that we all expect to have a big game. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite buy-low candidates that you could possibly go after right now. I think this is as low as his value is going to get. I am the biggest DeAndre Hopkins fan. I think he is one of the most talented guys in the NFL. And... I think Watson has the real potential to be good. Um, they burned me a little bit last year for my expectations being real high. But he's had seven-plus targets in every game. That's not going away. I think this is it. With the Atlanta game flow, he has a gigantic game to get himself back on track. And if you can buy it for him right now, I would definitely do it. Yeah. But, man, if they struggle one more game against Atlanta, then talk about real low <laughs> sell price. And then I'm actually having some concern. I mean, you that home have to Atlanta, worry. You can't get it going. I would get shaky worried. But, I mean, maybe that's when the the bold thrive. And that's when people really make this trade for getting rid of Hopkins. And maybe buying low will help you out. Yeah. But cool. it will get scary. If you can't beat Atlanta, then who are you going to beat? All right. Yikes. Well, that takes us to our last uh, position player where we break down for the Keeper Super Creeper format then. Um and now we'll, we'll talk about running backs, and we got to start sleeper because it's the only one you haven't done so far. So who are you sleeping on this week? I'm sleeping on Daryl Williams. Um, oh, owned man, you didn't, you didn't take our guy from the shared player pool that I thought you were going to put there. But Daryl Williams, Ooh. okay. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> but Daryl Williams owned at 52%. He had terrible efficiency last week uh, with eight carries for 13 yards, but two touchdowns saved the day. I, I mean... But he did play really good against Baltimore the week before from an efficiency standpoint, which I, we both mentioned is a bit of a surprise. Baltimore's defense playing a little worse in that regard. Mm-hmm. But he was utilized in the pass game and the run game that way. And with LaShawn McCoy's injury history, I mean, there's a chance that he gets in here and takes over more snaps than what you'd think. Uh, I think this is the last week where he's going to be probably really good because it's going to get real confusing in this Kansas City backfield in about two seconds once people get healthy. Yeah. Um, and I would keep an eye on that for Damian Williams this week. Uh, 
if he remains hurt, I think Darrell Williams is an excellent flex play because he might, he'll probably get the goal line looks because that's what he got last week when he wasn't playing well versus what McCoy would do, who's going to get probably middle of the field looks. Indy's matchup is fine. It's not a very scary one, but it's also not super soft. I think he has a pretty good game. I think he's more. it's an average of the two from an efficiency standpoint. I think he pitches in a touchdown this week. Okay. Strong flex option. Well, I'm going with a guy from our shared player pool, and it's just Mr. Unstoppable. You talk about Father Time and Tom Brady. Well, Tom, <laughs> Father Time and Frank Gore is just so impressive to me. It is After, so impressive. And just pure rushing yards, and we'll talk about that in our fantasy foresights coming up last week. He was fourth overall. I think it was like 105. Going up against Stout, yeah, going up against a Stout Tennessee team now. We all know they got a pretty solid defense. However, mm-hmm. if you look at what they're doing, kind of behind the scenes on when it comes to rushing, is that they're giving up 103 rushing yards per game to a total of 4.6 yards per carry. Really, not the most outstanding stats there for opposing rushing people. Now we're talking about Allen. I haven't looked at the latest update, but I don't think he's a for sure thing yet for this next game. Um, I do know any more about him. About Allen? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't, haven't even looked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, he got murdered last game. Right, it was a, that was a brutal hit. So he may make it back. And if he does, that only helps out Frank Gore. They're still yes. going to need to pound the rock. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Singletary is still questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he hits that 100-yard mark again. But could I see him being north of 60 with a touchdown? Absolutely, I could. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Especially with a bye week to carry on Johnson this week. And then, for some reason, if you're playing Kenyon Drake or uh, Ballage... They're on by as well. So I guess those are people. And then are. and then you can actually just drop them for Frank Gore because <laughs> believe it or not, Frank Gore's better than them. Probably season long, every given week. I mean, Frank Gore's been amazing this, I, this season. He is. He looks young. And they're giving him ten plus carries in every single game. Yeah. Two hundred seventy three yards in the season, two touchdowns. I mean, there's a lot there that is really encouraging, and I think it's an amazing story. But I think it ends here. And so, to me. This is he'll probably play this week as the full time starter again for Buffalo, which is appealing. But I think while Singletary's out, he's been an excellent flex candidate. Period. And a hamstring pull is a thing that might reduce his effectiveness when he gets back as well. It's just I think with him only being a rush first guy against a Tennessee defense that I think has been underachieving a little bit. I again think, like you said, there's an opening for him to play pretty well. But I think is not pretty well, but just to get you what you need. Yeah, and as a flex, if someone played Frank Gore in the flex against me, I'm like, okay, that, that's a, that is a true flex player by definition mm-hmm. at this point. Reliable with a touchdown upside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what his value will be like again this week. I just don't think he gets in the end zone against Tennessee. I think he does. And that's fair. Yeah. It just, it's, why not? He's a, he's a slight creeper. It's hard to call him a creeper because I don't think people's expectations are probably high enough for, to understand what, how good he has been this season, especially from a yards per carry standpoint. Mm-hmm. On a guy that I'm looking at, like, that guy's going to be two yards a carry. At I mean, this, this point game is career. pretty much because Buffalo's defense is underrated in where you can say Tennessee's isn't overrated, but they're definitely more appreciated than Buffalo's. But yeah. they offer pretty much the same thing, only Buffalo maybe even more stout on the run, really. And now, definitely not best p- passers. Um, it's going to be Derrick Henry versus Frank Gore. It's like the theme of this game, pretty much. Yeah, which Derrick Henry is a—he's a monster. He is a little bit better than Frank Gore <laughs> on this season. So I don't know. I can't say I'm a hard creeper on Frank Gore. It's just I think he's a pretty limited upside guy going forward, especially. But this week, Tennessee's defense is not one that I'm drooling to get him in there for. But he surprised me to death last week against New yeah. England, playing as well as he did, considering it was such a close game, and you'd think that they'd be guarding the run, but he exceeded all my expectations. Yeah. Cool stuff there. All right. So now we'll go keeper or creeper. You give me the person that'll determine. Let's go keeper. Okay. Should I go? Are yeah, you ready go for, for me? Do it. I'm going to go Nick Chubb as a keeper. It is a tough matchup against San Francisco, You're, I'm, I'm not going to lie, but this season for Chubb has told me one thing, and one thing alone, he is matchup proof. I think he's going to have a just fine game, he's going to put up, up running back one numbers, he's been so good on the season, 78 rushes for 398 yards, 4 touchdowns, 19 targets in the passing game too, which you love to see, 99 yards there as well. I just think that's great. He's the fourth best running back in the league, and the number two is Eckler, who will be dropping down. 
uh, as we go. So I think season long, he's looking even better there from a reliability standpoint. I think he's going to be a top five back for sure this season. I don't think San Francisco's defense stays in the way, even though they are a plus or a plus difficulty matchup for him. So I think he is going to have a little bit limit more limited upside. But considering of all the touchdowns he's had this year, I think he has a good chance of getting one more this week. See, and this is where we differ, because if you take away that 90-plus yard run from Nick Chubb, I'm not dissing on Nick Chubb, because I do think he's super talented, but I think that Cleveland offense is not being ran very well with this rookie head coach. Um, and I think he panics this game. I do not think Nick Chubb's effective, because believe it or not, he wasn't effective before this, that huge game against Baltimore, when it comes to yards per carry. When it comes to yards after contact, he was doing nothing really flashy at that point in time. Maybe he was set up for failure, but really... It was volume that was getting him there. And this week, volume isn't going to really cut it. San Francisco, although only three games to their stat line, but giving up 75 yards total rushing with a 3.4 yards per carry. This team is stout. They're going to make, I think, Cleveland panic. And then I think Freddie Kitchens is going to panic. And they're going to abandon the philosophy that they need to do to win the game, which is to run. So I think you see attempts decrease for Nick Chubb. Efficiency stays to where it was before the Baltimore game and they come back down to earth. So Nick Chubb, I'm, there's a lot of people I'd play over Nick Chubb this week. So, Man. Yeah. That surprises me. That so surprises now, me. I'll I'm give not my keeper. batting an eye, but yeah, you go for it. Well, my keeper is a guy who a lot of people batted an eye on on the offseason because of his injury proneness, because of how miserable last season was. And then I told you about how he was training like Rocky freaking Balboa on the offseason. <laughs> and he looks completely changed this season. He looks like an entirely changed player, and that's Leonard Fournette. And uh, the old Leonard Fournette wouldn't have ever put up a game like he just did against no, Denver. Never. Period. And he grew, just ground that game out. He was running so hard. It was a pleasure to watch that game. I mean, he never stopped on the first hit and kept going. Um absolutely love what I'm seeing from Leonard Fournette. The trimmed down Leonard Fournette looks awesome. Then um, you can say, well, he was really ineffective outside of one run really against that Tennessee game, but that was the worst running conditions I've ever seen. And what I felt as I was watching that Jacksonville game last week, I think Minshew is so legit. I think he's a yeah. winner. I think he plays hard. And I think Jacksonville kind of found themselves offensively a little bit in that game. And it's going to work well against Carolina because believe it or not, Carolina looks kind of stout on what they've given up as a defense on the season, but they're giving up 4.9 yards per carry and 130 rushing yards per game. I think they found themselves with Leonard Fournette, and I think they are just going to drive, just run those legs like crazy, these fresh, lighter legs, and I think Leonard Fournette keeps going, and um, I'm loving it. I hope he stays this way, just super aggressive. I'm enjoying it. He's definitely a guy that has volume in his future. And I'd love to see that, especially whenever he has upside for this level of game that I didn't think he had. I, I was looking at his upside being 120 yards when he had a 60-yard touchdown run in it. <laughs> like, he's not a guy that... 25 yards woof, rushing. Woof. Plus, he gets the passing stuff. Yeah, he's in all downs now with no Yeldon yeah. in that team. So, he's getting feature back carries on a team that's run first, and then their defense keeps it close. So he should With a be quarterback that's... Way more legitimate than he's had. Yes. It, the drives don't end as soon as Fournette doesn't have five yards on a carry yeah. because he needs to get it in two because there's one passing down where Bortles is going to throw an incomplete pass. Minshew is my my preferred version of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Whoa, bold statements. I like yeah. it. He's wearing the headband. He's playing hard. <laughs> and he's winning. He is winning. Not, not winning, winning, but he just won a game. I know so did Baker Mayfield, but at the same time, <laughs> I just love it. You don't hear the stories about him. He's not this media craze. I know the media is starting to like him, but... I know the internet loves him. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen more memes about a backup player that's just got the starting role. And they should. In my life. He's a fun guy to root for, for though. Try to intentionally that. break his hand so he could redshirt himself and get an extra year of college. <laughs> that's insane. It's, it's literally insane. Guy loves it. I love it. Yeah. He's he's fun, man. Definitely a more exciting team than it would have been Nick Foles. I don't and probably more more offensive potential too. But Could yeah. be. Did oh. you say your keeper yet? I did. Nick Chubb. Oh Nick Chubb, you didn't say your creeper yet. I, I guess I mean I kinda of referenced. Oh it, Frank Gore. Frank Gore, yeah. 
So okay. I, I just don't love him. I think he's okay. If you play him as a flex, just I think he'll have limited upside this week. I think it's, you get your 10 points. If you're looking for a guy that you need 10 points, it doesn't matter the format. He's not catching any balls, but he'll get you about 10 points. I'm seeing a four this week. That's no. I'm seeing four. What do you think Buffalo, What do you think Buffalo's going to be doing on offense? You think they're just going to get ran out of the park by Tennessee? I think you get 15 carries. For 45 yards, he has a comeback to earth game from an efficiency standpoint that I think he. And is Buffalo have. loses zero to 38 by Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Probably no. yes. Buffalo is much better team, than but that. Buffalo's D is too good. Buffalo but, just about beat the Patriots with Barkley on the last drive pick. They're they're a much better team than that because the Patriots are much better in Tennessee, especially if Josh Allen doesn't play. Yeah, doubling down. All right. I, so. I think he'll get the volume. He'll get the looks, especially if Singletary doesn't play. If Singletary does play, I think you're looking at closer to ten carries a game to seven somewhere in there. Yeah. Because Singletary's efficiency has been really good on the season before he got hurt. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, this is probably the last week where I feel confident about Frank Gore's outlook. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not. I would not agree. Loving it, but like I think he's definitely playable this week. Because, like you said, if he gets that touchdown, he's at ten. Even with my expectations of eighteen for forty. I just don't think he gets that touchdown. All right. We'll see. Buffalo's a good team. They're, they're much more well-built than last season. They have legitimate wide receivers in there with Cole Beasley and John Brown. I mean, they're not A grade at all. They're probably C grade. But they're way better than what they had with yeah, Zay but, Jones last season. But Allen making um, Brown and Beasley work, I didn't know if he was that accurate of a quarterback to make them work. So that's been nice to see him actually make them work in that offense. Yeah. He's matured more, too. He's... I think he's panning out for Buffalo. It was a good investment. It does look like it. I was highly worried on draft day when they took him that high. I thought he was the most raw quarterback in the league. I thought he maybe had the skills to be very good. Like, he has almost everything, like mobility, size, arm strength. The question was, how is his accuracy? Because it was really bad when he was in college, Mm -hmm. around 50% Mm -hmm. in a small conference, which you don't love to see either. Mm -hmm. But he's really working out. Yeah. Some tough games, and he's balled hard. Three and one Buffalo Bills. Yeah, who knew? Better than what? The two and two Tennessee Titans that lost to... <laughs> what was that horrible loss that they had? I don't know. I would have to look again. But I don't know. Is there a team that has an easier path to the playoffs? Because they're in... Let's remember, they're in New England's division. You might say that is a bad yeah. thing, but that means that there's Miami and the Jets that they get to play right. twice a year. Right. Like and they already have a pretty good record. They have a lot of home games coming up. I don't know how they don't at least get ten wins this year. Yeah, with this yeah. sort of start, it's kind of surprising. It is very. Surprising. I never would have predicted it, Me but um, but I never really thought about it either. Because also really, true. Because <laughs> do we really care? Because they make the playoffs, <laughs> and I don't know if they can. Do, well, I mean, they had a great Their game against the Patriots. The, the defense is really good. If that D keeps playing at that level, they're legit. They yeah. might have a Baltimore Ravens esque run there. But you'd like to see one more legitimate playmaker. And maybe if Singletary turns into that by the end of the year, they got it. Yeah, I think he definitely takes over the backfield by the end of the year and turns out a pretty good season, I think. As long as that hamstring isn't like a Cook and Fournette hamstring oh, last season. You hate, you hate to see hamstring because it could just really yeah. keep him down the whole year, but we, we hope not. All right, then. The new segment, Tight End Takeaway, where we just talk about one tight end a piece and make it less painful. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'm going to go with George Kittle for my tight end. I'm basically just saying don't panic. 21 targets on the year is a little low, but remember he's already had his bye week. So that also attributes to him not having as many as a lot of the other top-tier tight ends at this point. He's just too important to the offense, and no wide receivers have broken out yet. And then there was a game where his game flow was murdered, and that was the Cincinnati game because they were running for almost like 10 yards a run, mm-hmm. and they were winning by such a large margin. There was Why would they ever throw? Right. They had no need to. Right. So it was taking away all of his red zone targets. So other than that, he's had two games about 50 yards, which is an okay floor for tight end yeah. in general. He's still I, my second favorite tight end. I like him a lot more in Ertz, but... Yeah, Ertz targets are very high, but he, he doesn't have the ability to stretch the field. Ertz doesn't well, there's just like so Kittle. many. There's so many touchdown options. There's so many red zone options on that team, and they're going to be run first, in my opinion, as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, Alshon Jeffrey will be involved with all of those as well. I mean, even Jordan Howard on short yard work for sure. So unappreciated. Only 24 years old. He needs to find himself a team that appreciates him. And I mean, honestly, he should. Yeah, he's, absolutely. He's been effective his whole career, except the one year with Matt Nagy and his. Brilliant offense. <laughs> just I just year. don't understand it. Well, I don't understand where that resume came from. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Clearly, he wasn't that big of a part of what Kansas City was doing. They haven't missed a beat since he left. Very true. Um, if anything, they might have actually improved better. a little bit. So, I mean, Mahomes helps, but still. Yeah, like. but still. I don't know. I just I haven't seen it. I don't know. My tight end takeaway is Tyler Eifert. Um, only one game this season with less than five targets. Pretty That's much you can, yep. you may not be able to get them everywhere. A lot of people, I think, are going to claim them mainly because how juicy the Arizona matchup is. But mm-hmm. I think the ju- the mat- matchup looks a little bit more juicy than actually we think it is because he's had three pretty decently tough matchups for tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and now this is the first, this is the first where it's like the same league, Cincinnati versus Arizona. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. I mean, I like Tyler Eifert against Arizona more than I like Disley against Arizona. And Disley gave us a touchdown. So, I think Tyler Eifert finds the end zone this week. And maybe even has more than this five-target plateau he's been on and turned some yards in, too. I mean, he did get targeted in the red zone in the last game with Cincinnati in the corner once, but it was just a little overthrown. So, they're still looking his way. Yeah. I mean, he was a touchdown monster when he was healthy last. I mean, who knows how long that'll last. But for one week, of course. That's all I'm saying is one week. It's my tight end takeaway against Arizona. I like him. He's a solid play. Much better than some of the other people this season. I do agree with that. Yeah. So, there we go. Nice. And then, John, you know what we bring back this week? Studs and duds. Studs and duds. We're really going back old school, getting back to the roots of the podcast to make sure you're set up to make good waiver claims, um, putting the best people, putting your best foot forward on the week. Uh, we're just talking about the top three people that have been added. That's our studs and duds. We label them then as such, being a stud or a dud. Correct. Our three this week, the three highest. We always go by Yahoo because that's the way we do things. <laughs> um, we've just been in the league for, on Yahoo for forever, so that's that's our home ground. Yep. Uh, we have no personal ties or stock in Yahoo. But anyways, studs and duds, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Samuels, and then Ron Jones the second were the three most added players today for people that don't abide by the waiver system. Yes. So, <laughs> what do you what are you thinking for number one guy, Deontay Johnson? Deontay Johnson, I'm going to go with a dud. Yep. And so Big he's, old dud. he's owned in seven percent. So that is very low based on his points per game production. So I understand why everybody's looking at him. I understand the intrigue, but he's only had four to six targets every game with Rudolph. Rudolph also does not throw downfield, and by downfield, I mean, I don't know if he throws a pass the first down marker. There was two passes. One was incomplete, one was Deontay Johnson, and the Deontay Johnson ball he caught, and now it made everybody pick him up. I don't quite understand it. Yeah. Opportunity, I think, very low. Yeah. And then, with that being said, James Washington's still playing there, and then Juju Smith-Schuster's still the number one. Mm-hmm. And with Rudolph... Rudolph and Vance McDonald will be back. Which is definitely a weapon mm-hmm. that they're going to be utilizing. So... I could arguably see him as the fourth weapon in an offense that is not moving very well. And I think, oh. remember, that was Cincinnati's defense. Yeah. They are terrible this season. So considering that he has had two touchdowns the last two games, I see what people are saying, but I don't see it going forward. No. I, I definitely wouldn't waste a waiver claim on him, for sure. No. If you're in a 12 or 14 team league with deep wideouts or something for benches or something. I don't know. I then, would never play him and feel good about it. I would never play him yet. Yeah. But as a guy, as a project pickup, I guess. Maybe he beats out James Washington as the, the second target. Maybe Vance McDonald's slow getting back. And he if, is the number two If I hear rumors field, that they're trading for another quarterback, then maybe. I feel like that would probably be a good bet. Mason Rudolph was saved by the Cincinnati matchup. I completely agree with that. And now he'll be further exploited next week against Baltimore. Baltimore will not lose they, with that style of offense. No. They're not going to let you dink and dunk in Madden. Only throwing to the, sw- the swing pass receivers for three no. yards every time. Instantly pick up first downs every time. No. They're going to put someone in the flats. They're going to run cover two defense. They're going to be like, beat us. You know, with a goofy looking like wildcat that they kind of ran too. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work. Which takes us to our next dealer on the stud and dud list, because we both agree unanimously he's a dud. Now we got Jalen Samuels. What do you think? I'm going to go with a, a lot more appealing, but dud still. Yes. 30, 31% owned. I feel like I see his value being in the fact that he's a good handcuff for Connor. Um, but 
earlier on in the season, Connor was getting almost 100% of playing time. Right. And considering that the Bengals' defense is bad, that helped Jalen Samuels' efficiency there. They were only throwing two yards down the field or less every time, which means Jalen Samuels is going to be there getting those little dump-off passes the whole time, especially if they're playing multiple running backs, like kind of what they were with him being Wildcat quarterback. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's not great. So... I just don't think his reception rate and with his playing time, it could all be lost immediately going forward. There could be a game where he throws for more yards than Mason Rudolph. (laughs) I will not go on that bold call bandwagon, but... I could see it. If Jalen Samuels throws a 60-yard bomb, then possibly he could beat Mason Rudolph. But yeah, I give him a dud. I mean, he's nothing more than a handcuff. And now everybody, maybe this week you want to play him against Baltimore. Baltimore already talked about how it's kind of 4.9 yards per carry they're giving up. Mm -hmm. Very uncharacteristic. And we're worried about Connor's ankle. I am not waiver claiming him, though, still. No. Unless I have Connor. If you really want to play Samuels this week, I I don't believe he is a... Some people are saying, like, if Connor sits, he's a number one top ten play. It's not the case. It isn't the case. I mean, even Connor's been a little borderline in some games this year. Absolutely. With and great Connor, And Connor's way more talented than Samuels. It's Fun. Connor's spot when he's healthy, period. Samuels is not that good. Converted tight end to running back kind of deal. Um, 114 of Jalen Samuels' yards that you'll see that he totaled 100 yards was 31 passing. He ran for... 2.6 yards per carry last week. Against um, the Bengals. Against D the Bengals. And came away with a touchdown, which saved really his point total. Yeah. I think he's much closer to a 10-touch guy than whatever he got last week. Yeah. And and I don't even know if he's a 10-touch guy with Connor truly healthy. Because Connor's got the knee, now he's got the ankle. That's maybe the only concern, and that's why I think he is a waiver claim for that. But if Connor sits, this offense just becomes so much worse. Yeah, it does. It's not like Samuels really benefits, because I don't think he's that good. In PPR, he's playable. In, in when full Connor's PPR, hurt. in half PPR, I don't know. It, it would be very borderline. Mm-hmm. It would be a risky flex play. Mm-hmm. Eh, but, yeah, I, didn't, I think Dud, I would just let him sit there. I think there's better handcuffs that you could have with other players. If you're really looking for injury to superstar, I think Latavius Murray's that guy. I think uh, Mattinson for Minnesota's more that guy. I mean Gus Edwards. I mean Baltimore, we're just talking about we're just talking about handcuffs. That's yeah, all we're doing. Th- th- that's what my comparison is. Yeah. To him. So at thirty-one percent, if you want to pick him up for Connor, go for it. Otherwise, don't. Yeah. Unless you really need somebody to play this week, but the only person on buy this week running backs carry on Johnson. So I don't know what the yeah. landscape of your team is if you're just begging for a running back this week that you need yeah. to play Samuels <laughs> in case mean, Connor doesn't start. That would be an RB2. I don't like that matchup. Like, with where you're drafting on Johnson in most mm-hmm. teams. So, unless you have a very weird roster construction of two wide-out ones and a tight end or something. Yeah. Which I guess is conceivable. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Samuels is not going to be that replacement for a, a carry-on Johnson, if, even if you want him to be. No. Oh, watch him just tear it up. I mean, I guess anybody has the potential. He has athleticism for big playability, but yeah. I'm thinking very unlikely against this matchup against Baltimore. I think they'll shape up. Yeah, they will definitely have gotten reamed into this week. Of course, that four point nine is exaggerated from what happened. The tragedy—I just—I didn't even see that coming at all. No, I was so not ready. All right, our last dud and dud. Let's see if we can go three for three. Ron Jones the second. I'm optimistic. We're in the same boat. I'm going stud. I am absolutely stud. I love the story. Yes. Everyone gave up faith on him last season. People were talking about him in reports that he was the biggest bust of a running back ever. And you never hear running backs get talked about that way for being a bust right off the bat. Almost all of them get a chance to play. But he just pretty much sat there with no usage behind Peyton Barber, an undrafted free agent. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's really discouraging. But I think he's, at this point, one of the most under-owned fantasy players, considering the fact that the offense has been really excellent for Tampa Bay in the last two games. Mm -hmm. I understand it's mostly passing, but he's had great efficiency in general Mm -hmm. in a lot of these games. He's had uh, four games with 13 plus, or three or four games this year, he's had 13 plus carries in it. Um, And then he had 70 and 80 yards, uh, and with a TD in there. So, uh, not bad. Um, he out-touched Peyton Barber 20-9 to this last week, and I think he's just the more talented running back. So yep. I think he wins this job eventually this season at some point, like straight up, probably mm-hmm. almost all snaps except for maybe third down with blocking for Peyton Barber or something. But 
Tough New Orleans run D this week makes him a little bit tough to play, but I think he has goal line appeal for touchdowns the same way that Frank Gore does. And Now, their yards per carry doesn't look too good. I'm firing them up against New Orleans because they're going to have tons of time of possession because that New Orleans team is going to really struggle because Tampa Bay is this, this, right now statistically toughest yards per carry to opposing running backs in the game. And that's huh. what New Orleans is going to do. And I think try. the ball's going to be in Tampa Bay's hands. And believe it or not, they have a, they don't have a huge amount of points going against them on the running back side. But running backs have been pretty effective against them, pretty efficient. And I think Ron Jones, you fire him up. I'd much rather fire him up over Jalen Samuels, I can tell you that much. 100%, yes. And, um, I mean, even not being declared the full-time starter, everybody knows he's being more effective with 14 touches to 4 touches. That was a bad call. Then 15 touches and 20 touches now. And I think we're going to build on that. I think he becomes, like you said, the full-time starter. And um, he's a very solid ad if you can get your hands on him, I think. I like him a lot. And good for him. Because I thought if he was going to find his, looking at what he brought from college, his niche in the NFL would be pass catcher. They're going to develop into him. Although he wasn't good at that. They said, this is what we're going to do, develop into it. And that's how he's going to work. But he's running effectively. And, it, yeah, and honestly, if you look at the game... There was a ton of callbacks, penalties, and um, he would have had a much better set line had a lot of those not getting called back. So, I think he has great projections going forward. Yeah. When you look at a lot of running backs that are being owned in 60 or 70% of leagues or 58% of leagues, this guy has legitimate ability to be a low-end running back too this year, and it's not even a big stretch to say that's where he could end up if mm-hmm. he continues to get more playing time. And he's earning it over Peyton Barber, so yeah, why not? All right, then. Your go. All right. We're moving into the fantasy foresight segment. So this is where we're going to be talking about the leaders in passing, rushing, and receiving statistics. And we're going to talk about our guesses and, let's say, educated guesses on who we're going to pick for leading these categories this next week. Mm -hmm. So first, we're going to start going over the passing. Who will lead this week in the most passing yards? Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, or Jared Goff? So I think now on the season we are tied in our predictions. Last week Mahomes led again, and we both got that. Then Mike Evans won our receiving, believe it or not, which I didn't see coming with a key to leave on him. Yeah, and oh. uh, he beat out that that crew, which is a pretty stout crew, which is surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I missed it with Ingram, and you got McCaffrey right. So just barely. Just barely. That was a tough running back group last week. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah, that, was, that was a good question. We, we don't hold punches. I mean, we, we give best options. However, passing guards this week. Goff at Seattle. Don't really care for it. Matt Ryan at Houston. Could be worse, but not my favorite of the group. Mm-hmm. Rodgers at Dallas. That's a pretty tough matchup. Might be my least favorite of the group. How can I go against Mahomes again? I'm going, against, <laughs> going with Mahomes. I, I'm going to regret it for the same reason, because Mahomes is the closest thing to automatic in this group. But I'm actually going to go Matt Ryan okay. against Houston. I think the game flow is definitely in the favor there. I'm a little worried about Indy trying to grind out the football, because they've been fairly successful at low yards per carry, tons of Marlon Mack handoffs. So that's not a great recipe for Pat Mahomes against a defense that isn't really great at stopping that sort of thing. So I'm going to go with Matt Ryan just based on game flow. I don't think he has a better fantasy game, but I think he leads in yards. All right. Well, looks like one of us will be taking the lead next week. Yeah. Unless we've got more different coming up. Receive- <laughs> or we're all wrong. <laughs> and it was Rodgers the whole time. <laughs> uh, but now we're moving into receiving. So who will lead with the most receiving yards this next week? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, or Robert Woods? Note, we have two Tampa Bay wide receivers. Right, makes it interesting. You can have this one first. I'm going to go with Mike Evans, actually. Yeah, we got it. Okay, wow, together. Godwin is very interesting. I mean, same matchup, and Godwin absolutely destroyed it last week with a hip injury. Who would have seen that coming? I was worried about if he was even going to play, and there he is, 170-something yards, two touchdowns. Right. I just think it comes full circle. I think Mike Evans is the better receiver than Chris Godwin, but Chris Godwin is closing that gap more than I thought in preseason. Well, I just think this offense is becoming a true Arians offense. I'm not worried about Evans at all. I don't, yeah. I don't care if the gap is even closed. Godwin is a very talented wide receiver. The only person I'm worried about, odd man out, 
Howard, OJ Howard. It kind of looks that way. Yeah. I mean, I really loved Howard coming into this season. I thought Howard was the guy that Winston would bond with, maybe even above the receivers. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was going to take him up to the level of almost Kelsey in some individual matchups. But in four games but now, he looks for good. no. There's no. There's zero reason it should have been this way. No injury, nothing like that, mm-hmm. and it just. He's just purely the odd man out. And that's Winston airing it out downfield. So that is more of his M.O. The more I look into it and explaining why. But it just means that Godwin and Evans are both going to be monsters, I think, this season. I think so. I think they're both great plays. They become the best wide receiver duo over uh, Diggs and Thielen. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe the group of the trio and with the Rams outdoes the duo. But... As individual fantasy Maybe. plays... I'd rather have a part of the duo than the trio. The always. trio drives me nuts. The trio doesn't even make sense how it can exist with all three of those playing as well as they can. you got to pass do. it 68 times like gossip. <laughs> True. That was nuts. Absolutely. Insane. Who throws for 500 yards and loses? Oh, yeah, the guy that has to do it with almost 70 attempts yeah. in a game. But he was not very efficient with his passing. No. Uh, Crazy game to watch. That was fun. But I'm going to go Evans as well. Cool. I think yeah. he wins out wide receiver one, guy with more chemistry. And outside of Mari Cooper, who surprisingly couldn't take advantage of it, maybe it was an ankle injury, but uh, Lattimore's getting burns for some big plays, and Evans is a guy to, to capitalize on that. For sure he is. And then Rob Woods, no. And then Devontae Adams with the toe injury, meh. Nah, I just think... I just think that Dallas I think it's Godwin or Evans, and I'm going Evans. I'm leaning the same way. I mean... Adams is a little interesting, but I think Dallas just gets ahead and then runs that clock out. Game flow takes away from their yardage. Because Green Bay defense, I think, is actually super improved. They might even be very good this season, but they don't stop the run. I mean, Philly gouged them last week for that. And then coming right into that, Alpha Dallas, I think Dallas just owns the game. Ezekiel Elliott has a huge game. So I think that holds away from Adams. And that's coming from a Packer fan. Yeah. I, I, I was very encouraged with Rodgers having the big breakout last week against Philly in their weak secondary, but I think this is another bit of regression. It won't be nearly as bad as some of the earlier matchups against Minnesota and Chicago, but it will be a little bit more limited. So now we're moving into who leads this group in rushing this week. Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Fournette, or Frank Gore? I mean, how hilarious is that? Frank Gore shouldn't have made it. <laughs> because the way we set this up is pretty simple. Our leader has to come back from last week's question. Mm-hmm. Their option A, option B through C, B through D are then the last week's rushing leaders in order. So coming in at fourth last week was Frank Gore, but he got to make the question because Carryon Johnson came in third and he's on bye. How hilarious is it that Frank Gore? Is? <laughs> he made the cut. Made Top four running back. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to go Leonard Fournette. I bet your man after last week with his gigantic game. It's Absolutely. hard to bet against him. It's really hard to bet against him. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey again. His usage is so high. The only thing that limits him is the fact that he might have a lot of his stuff put into receiving yards for this individual topic. So that's the risk. Right. But I think... Which maybe I we can do all-purpose okay. yards in the future for something. But We could. But, but it's fun enough just to do it like yeah. this. I think it adds intrigue. It does. Because, I mean, Gore has slightly weighted value because of the fact that he's more of a rusher. Same with uh, Fournette, where Chubb and McCaffrey get some other value from both. So yeah. it's it's just more strategy with this. But I think I'm going to go McCaffrey with the raw rushing yards. I think he edges out Fournette. Well, we'll know simultaneously because McCaffrey and Fournette are playing against each other. And McCaffrey Ooh. has a tougher matchup there. So You, you are true. You are cr- truly correct. It'll be good. That's it. A lot of separation this week, though. Two different calls. Two different, or who knows? Maybe they go one, <laughs> one and one, and <clears throat> maybe maybe we'll all be wrong. It'll be Frank Gore. Well, lots of names here in this podcast. If you got names that we're not mentioning and you want to hear about, feel free to let us know and give us a message. We're hoping that maybe even this week, I, I'm up for it. Saturday, we get our website up and running. I really hope so. Could happen. <laughs> if we can make some time. <laughs> Busy times, but we got to do it. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. We are the, we're the voice, we're the prep, and we're the media behind our podcast. We do it all. While working full time. <laughs> but we still give you guys dang good episodes, especially after coming off that baseball season where we just dominated people. Yeah. Uh, had some really sad injuries, but man, oh man. So we're keeping it rolling with football. It's true. Were we four and four 
together with first place finishes in the end of the regular season in fantasy baseball? Did you have any leagues where you weren't first place going into the in in regular season? In regular no. Season? Yeah. Yeah, same with me. So, but after regular season, though, my team couldn't survive Trout and Jose Ramirez, who I paid so much to get. So sadly, we did not finish first place. But it's all right. You live and you learn. Um, Roto League did come in first place, but that's all right. Yeah, I wanted them both. It would have been cool. All right, that's it. We're done. Yeah, I'll give you a parting thought, just just for kicks, and I kind of assumed it. Don't play Green Bay's defense this week. I think you're going to regret it. I think Dallas is going to score at least 30 points this week. Ezekiel had two touchdowns. Owned 62% of leagues right now. I think they're a little overrated. I would go some other, some other way. I feel bad for when you get you know out of your podcast self and become the Packers fan again. I have to watch it. <laughs> it's going to hurt. All right. We're out. All right. Take it easy, guys. Good luck this week. Bye now.